Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. Hey, let's give our youth pastor Chris a hand for those videos, this, for this whole series. I honestly think he's just making it up all off the top of his head the whole time. Um, hey, welcome to Parkway Fellowship. Today we're in the last message of our series called Animal Farm, where we're looking at the significant passages in the New Testament where Jesus teaches about the church. And when Jesus teaches about the church, he always does so by using a metaphor of shepherds and sheep. Um, Remember the show Mythbusters? Anybody ever remember the show Mythbusters? Yeah, if you, ever, if you never saw the show, really, it's two guys, and what they do is they take common myths that people believe, and they do experiments to either prove them as true, or they bust them as untrue. And one of my favorite episodes they ever did occurred several years ago during Shark Week. Uh, in fact, we've captured an image from that episode. Let's go ahead and put that up there. Yeah, what they did was they remade the body of Jaws... And they decided to do an experiment to see if they shot an air tank, would it actually blow up the shark? And guess what? It didn't. I know. I was crushed, right? And so, because first off, for me, first off, how dare you mess with one of the greatest movie endings of all time, right? I mean, that was near and dear to my childhood because, look, it was only after the shark blew up that I was no longer afraid to go back to the bathtub, right? <laughs> and, and second off, as I was thinking about this, like how, like if I want to believe that an air tank could blow up a shark, I mean, just let me believe it, okay? I mean, why do you got to mess with the dream, right? And as I've thought about these myths, I've also realized that there are people who believe spiritual myths in life. Now, most of these myths are pretty harmless. You know, like, cleanliness is next to godliness. Okay, like, that's not in the Bible anywhere, okay? God helps those who help themselves. Also, not in the Bible, okay? May the force be with you, okay? <laughs> now, that should be in the Bible, really, in my opinion. But, but they're not. And look, and all those things, they're kind of, they're harmless. But there are some myths that people believe that are very destructive. There are some myths that people believe that can actually lead us to believe things that are not true about God and can prevent us from being close to him and can even prevent us from going to heaven when we die and falsely leading us to believe that we are. And people believe these myths for all kinds of crazy reasons. I mean, sometimes they believe these myths because you know, when they were growing up as a child, someone they trusted just told them it, it, was, told them it was true, and so they just believed it. Or maybe they grew up in a church where it was taught as true. Or maybe it's something, it just feels like it should be true. And the reasons that we defend these myths are the very same reasons that I defended Jaws. Like, that's from my childhood. Like, how dare you mess with something from my childhood that's like so near and dear to me? Or, you know, just let me believe it. I mean, come on, what's the big deal? Just don't crush the dream. Just let me believe it. But the problem is, is that these myths, if we go on believing them, again, can be incredibly destructive to our personal lives and to other people around us. It can be destructive to our spiritual lives. And so 
In the passage we're going to look at today, Jesus takes two really big myths that the people of his day believed, and he busts those myths wide open. And here's the irony. People today still believe these same myths. Still. And these myths fall into the category of the ones that are really destructive. And that they're destructive in our relationship with God, and they could even lead us to the point where we actually don't go to heaven when we die. So look, these myths are really big deals. And because if they weren't big deals, Jesus wouldn't take the time to address them, but he does. So these myths are big deals. They really matter. And they matter back then, and they matter today. So, Jesus does a myth busting of his own, and in the passage we're going to look at, these myths all have to do with sheep. So go ahead and pull out your message notes, and um, let's ask this question. What are these spiritual myths about sheep, and what does Jesus say that busts those myths? Well, myth number one is this, is that I can't hear God speak to me. The first myth is that I can't hear God speak to me. But the truth is this, is that I can learn, let's go back, I can learn to hear the voice of Jesus. It's something that you can learn. Now, let me give you some background to the passage today, since most of us probably didn't grow up as Middle Eastern shepherds, okay? So, here's the deal. Um, Back in in the Middle East, good grazing land was hard to find. And so shepherds would take their sheep far away from the ranch or the farm in order to find good grazing land. And so sometimes they would be gone for weeks at a time. Well, at night, they would have to construct kind of a makeshift corral for the sheep. And they would do that out of stones and out of thorn bushes. And so that way the sheep would have some place, you know, safe to be at night. But get this, a lot of times shepherds would team up and build like a bigger corral because it saved them time. That way they didn't each have to make their own, and so they would just share. Well, that would mean that sometimes there would be like two, three, four, maybe even more flocks all in the same makeshift corral together, spending the night. Well, the next morning when it's time for the sheep to get up and move out, well, how do you separate the sheep back in their normal flocks? I mean, after, during the night, after they all got mixed up, how do you separate them? I mean, because they didn't brand sheep because the wool would just simply grow over the brand. You still couldn't tell who was what. Well, the answer is pretty simple, and it's pretty amazing, because here's what would happen. The sh- a, a shepherd would get up, and he would call to his sheep, and because the sheep knew his voice, only his sheep would get up and go out. And then the next shepherd would get up, call for his sheep, and they knew his voice and his call, so then they would get up and follow him out. And so the flocks never got mixed up, and no sheep ever went with the shepherd that wasn't his. And so Jesus reminds the disciples of what happens when a shepherd calls for his sheep. Here's what it says, John 10, second half verse 3, it says, the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and, and I want you to underline the rest of this sentence, his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never, 
follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they did not recognize a stranger's voice. Okay, now Jesus is using the sheep as a metaphor for you and for me. So he's saying that we are his sheep and that we follow his voice. And any other voices that try to lead us astray won't work because like we know the voice of Christ and won't follow any other voice. See, one of the biggest myths is that, that we cannot hear the voice of Christ calling to us. I mean, there's very few people who ever walk around saying, claiming that they hear the audible voice of Jesus. You know, and those that do, honestly, most of those people are really weird, right? I mean, like, they believe in the zombie apocalypse and, like, that we're about to be invaded by aliens, okay? But the problem is, as long as we think that, you know, hearing the voice of Jesus is just weird and spooky, like, we'll never hear it. Because we, we tend to just totally discount that, which is unfortunate for us because Jesus, he's pretty clear, he says that his expectation is that everyone, everyone who follows him would hear his voice and they would know it so well that they could pick it out among all the clamor of the world. That's what he's saying. Now, is that, I mean, is that really possible? I mean, is it re actually realistic to think that we could hear the voice of Christ? Well, the answer is yes. Of course we could. And, as, and as, again, as long as we think it's spooky and weird, it'll never happen for us. So how? How can I hear the voice of Christ? Because honestly, I think most of us would like to. Most of us would like to be able to hear the voice of Christ of a voice of Jesus calling us because we'd like to know the path that we're going down in life, is that the path that God's leading me down? I mean, is God really guiding me? I'd like to have some assurance to know that I am doing exactly what God wants me to do with my life. So how can I know for sure? Well, there's two reliable ways that Jesus speaks to me. The first is this, is that he speaks to me through the Bible. God speaks to me through the Bible. See, part of the challenge of hearing the voice of Christ is, is that it just feels like it's so subjective. So it's this, this issue of subjectivity. I mean, how are you supposed to know that it's really Jesus talking to you? How, how do you know that it's him talking to you and not just you trying to convince yourself of something that you really want to do? Well, the good news is, is that God himself has written a letter to us. Now, it's a long letter, okay, but it covers everything that you and I need to know in this life. And that letter's the Bible. It's the Bible. And through the Bible, Jesus speaks to us. And look, the best thing about the Bible is that it's reliable. Like, it's accurate. And it never changes. It's not subjective. It has withstood the test of time and scholarly examination. So the Bible is a very clear way that God speaks to us. Now, for that to happen, you actually have to read the Bible, okay? Now look, Sunday morning counts, okay? Going to small group reading the Bible counts. But you need to make a commitment to read the Bible on your own, to read it every day so that you can hear God guiding you and speaking to you, okay? Think about it like this. If Jesus sent you an email, like, would you read it? Well, of course you would. 
And if he did, please share with me the return address. Like, I would like to know what it is, all right? But if he sent you an email, of course you would read it. In fact, you would read it more than once. You would look at it. You would look at every word. You would study every sentence. Like, wonder why he, what he meant by that? Make sure, I wonder what he said. You would probably print it out. And you would write some notes in the margins. You would show it to friends. You would do all of those things. Okay? So, then my question is, What's the difference between Jesus sending you an email and Jesus writing you a book? I mean, other than the length, what's the difference? Nothing. Nothing. See, most people just, most people just don't think about the Bible as a personal letter to them. But that's exactly what it is. But look, our God is so majestic, he's so powerful, he's so infinitely wise that only he could write a book that is universal to all and simultaneously personal to each. And that's what the Bible is. And that's how we need to view it, as a personal letter to just you. Just you. So you need to read it. You need to study it. You need to look at every sentence. You need to look at each word. You need to write some notes in the margin. Because it is an incredibly reliable way that Jesus speaks to you, okay? All right, second thing, second way that Jesus speaks is through prayer. He speaks to us through prayer. Now look, this is where a lot of people get messed up because the truth is, this can be very subjective. I mean, people can say, you know what? Well, Jesus told me to do this. Or, you know, Jesus said that I should do that. And people have used that as an excuse to do some very wrong things. They've abused this. And so, as a result, we tend to just not trust it and to just discount it. And we distrust our ability to hear Jesus through prayer, which, by the way, is very unfortunate because this is a really big way in which Jesus speaks. So, in him speaking through prayer, there are some guidelines that you need to use. And these these are in in your worship notes, okay? First is this. We need to understand that, yes, I can hear the voice of Jesus when I pray. But also, no, Jesus will never tell me to do something the Bible says is wrong, okay? And the more I spend time with Jesus, the clearer his voice becomes. And then lastly, the more I obey, the more I'll hear his voice. Those things are absolutely true. Now, one question I get all the time is this. Is Mike, what what does the voice of Jesus sound like? Well, I'll be honest with you, I can't tell you exactly what it sounds like because I've actually never heard the audible voice of Jesus. The best way that I can describe it is that it's a voice inside my head that's not mine. And yes, I know, there's medications that cover that. Like, I, okay, I, 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 I get that, okay? But look, I don't have any other symptoms, okay? And it pretty much only happens when I'm praying, all right? So there's a pretty good chance that it's Jesus, all right? But the, be- but the best way I can describe it is that it's a voice inside my mind that's not mine. For instance, let me give you an example. Recently, I was praying and asking Jesus if we should extend an offer to Kelly Eisenberger to join our staff as our missions pastor. Um, we had done an extensive interview process, so we had done our due diligence. There were no red flags, no yellow flags. I mean, honestly, she's an incredibly amazing individual and a, and, and a fabulous person. 
So we just need to know, okay, Jesus, is this what you're wanting us to do? And so I was, remember I was praying, and I, while I was praying, I heard Jesus say to me, yes, I have, ch- I have chosen Kelly as the mission's pastor. Now, the next morning, I was praying for Kelly because, look, Kelly, although she has tons of missions experience, she's lived all over the world, she's never been on staff at a church before. So I was praying and the next morning and for her, and Jesus spoke to me again. He said, you and Gary are to teach her how to be a pastor. Now, look, Kelly knows all this. I mean, you know, like, she's not in service today, like, finding this out for the first time. Like, she knows, and she knows I was going to say all this. But you see how that works? You see how that, how, how that happens? And so, to hear his voice, you have to spend time with him. Because, look, the way that sheep learn to hear the voice of the shepherd, they would spend time with the shepherd. And so they would learn what his voice sounded like over time, okay? So, why should it work any differently with us? It won't. And, and, it, and it doesn't. So hearing the voice of Jesus, get this, is not for the spiritually elite. It's for the spiritually active. And so you need to spend time with God, with Christ in prayer. And if you will do, then you will begin to hear the voice of Jesus leading you through life. And when you do, and you'll hear his voice, when you spend time reading the Bible, when you spend time praying, And when you think he's telling you to do something, as long as it doesn't conflict with the Bible, I'm telling you, just take a step of faith and just go for it. I'm telling you, it will be the first step to the most amazing life you'll ever live. Okay. Second second myth that Jesus busts is this, is that there are many ways to get to heaven. The myth is that there are many ways to get to heaven. But the truth is this, is that the gate is, is the only way in. The gate is the only way in. Look what Jesus continues to say in John chapter 10, now in verse seven. He says, therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. And I want you to circle these next four words. Jesus says, I am the gate. I am the gate. And then underline the rest of the sentence. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd, I want you to underline this, lays down his life for the sheep. Okay, now, here's another cool thing about when these shepherds would set up these, you know, makeshift corrals, okay? They would, when they set up the corral, they would make an opening that was literally large enough for only one sheep at a time to get through, and that was it. And the shepherd did that so that as the sheep would come through, like he could count them and make sure that he had everybody, and he would examine the sheep to make sure that it, was, it didn't have any injuries or there were no parasites or anything like that, okay? And every shepherd would do this, but get this, at night, when all the sheep were you know, about to go to sleep, the shepherd would lay across the entrance to the corral. And so literally, he became the gate. And he did that for two reasons. First off, that way he would know if there were any sheep that were trying to get out. But more importantly, he would also be the first to know if there were any predators trying to get in. So literally, every night, the shepherd 
laid down his life for the sheep. Every night, the shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. And so Jesus says, Jesus says, I am the gate. And when he said that, the disciples, they immediately knew exactly what Jesus was talking about because they'd seen it. They knew about it. It was a part of their culture. And the myth is that there's multiple ways to get to heaven. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. I am the gate. There is only one way in, and it is through me. There are no other ways to get into heaven. And when Jesus says that, he says, and there's two very important things about the gate, and there's, there, those are the things that I had you underline. First, he says that no one, that, um, he says that whoever enters through me will be saved, okay? What he means is that you have to come to God through Jesus Christ in order to be saved, okay? Saved from what? Saved from the consequences of your own sin. You see, Jesus died so that he could pay the consequences for your sin. Because look, somebody's going to pay the consequences for your sin. Either you're going to pay them by being separated from God during this life here on this earth and then forever separated from him when you die, or you can let Jesus pay for those consequences for you. And that's why Jesus died on a cross. And so Jesus is saying through this metaphor that he's willing to save you from paying the consequences of your sin yourself. And why? And how? It's because the second part I had you underline, that he laid down his life for you. He laid down his life for the sheep. And he did that when he died on a cross. You see, Jesus lived a sinless, perfect life. And so therefore, he didn't need somebody to die for his sins. He was able to die for yours and for mine. For the sins of the whole world. And that also means that um, if you would trust him, then he would be the one that pays for the consequences for your sin for you. And why would he do that? Because he loves you. In fact, I believe that if you were the only person alive on this earth, that Jesus would have come and died for you. Just because he loves you that much. That's what he would have done. Now, this has two enormous implications that most people don't ever think about, okay? And here they are. The first is that I can't trust in anything but Jesus. See, when Jesus says that he is the gate, he's saying that he is the only way in. The only way to get to heaven. Because remember, there's only one way in and one way out of the corral. And Jesus is the only way for you and I to get to heaven. There are not multiple ways. There are not many ways to get to heaven. You can't get to heaven by being good. You can't get to heaven by being, you know, Muslim or Hindu or Buddhist or any other religion unless they specifically say that Jesus is the Son of God and he is the only way to heaven. That's it. Because Jesus is pretty clear. He says that he is the only way in. That's it. Now, the second implication is this, is that I can't trust in anything in addition to Jesus. Now, this is where most people get messed up. This is where most people trip up. Because, you see, there's a lot of people, like they believe in Jesus as the way to get to heaven, but they also believe that they're going to get to heaven by being good. 
And so at that point in time, it's Jesus plus my good works, and that's how I'm getting to heaven. But the problem with that is that that also means that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross was somehow insufficient. That it's not enough to get you heaven. That you have to add something to the mix in order to get there. But Jesus says, no, no, no. That's not it. Jesus says, I am the gate. And there's only enough room for me to lay a cross. There's not enough room for me plus your good works. There's not a room enough for me plus your baptism. There's not a room enough for me plus whatever else it is that you are trusting to get you to heaven. It's only me. And by the way, I am more than enough. That's the implication of what he's saying. So let me ask you this. Have you ever come into a place in your life where you have asked Jesus Christ to come into your life to save you from your sins, where you have asked him to come in to forgive you for everything you've ever done. If you've never done that, you're not a Christ follower, not yet. But you can do that by praying a simple prayer. It's at the bottom of your message notes. So if you've never prayed it, take a moment, pray that prayer right now. Now, if you've already prayed that prayer before, let me ask you this. Are you trusting in Jesus alone to get you to heaven? Or have you also said, well, it's Jesus plus my being good, or plus my baptism, or plus something else. You see, it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with your good works. Because look, good works and baptisms are things that happen after you trust in Jesus. See, after you ask Jesus to come into your life, that's when he changes your life and you start doing good works. It's after you trust in Jesus that you become baptized. So your good works show, don't, don't make you saved. They show that you already are saved. Your baptism doesn't make you a believer. It shows that you already believe. Because you've got to trust in Jesus alone and nothing in addition to Jesus. That's what he's saying. I mean, you know, it just never ceases to amaze me. How much Jesus says to guide us and to help us in this life. So look, don't, look, please, don't fall prey to either one of these myths. Trust that, you know what, I can learn to hear the voice of Jesus, but that only happens by spending time with him, by spending time reading the Bible, spending time praying, and then you'll begin to learn what his voice sounds like in your mind over time. And more than that, we got to trust that Jesus is the only way. It's not Jesus plus anything else. It's just Jesus alone. And that's it. Nothing else and nothing in addition. So, bow your heads. Let me pray for us all. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you for just how amazing your truth is, how clear this passage is, and how clear it is of, of what you're saying to each one of us today. And God, I ask that you would help those that are listening today to begin to start a life where they can hear you, where you would lead them, where you would guide them, where you would, where you would have a relationship with them where not you just hear their prayers, but they hear you answer back. And Father, I pray for everybody listening to me that's been trusting in something other than you or something in addition to you, Lord Jesus, that today they would correct that theology in their mind 
and put their trust in only you because you are more than enough. And so we put all of our trust in you. And we ask you to do all of this in your great name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.